Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. Next Level Church, good to be with you this weekend. If you're excited to be at church, say yeah. Glad that you're here. Fort Myers location, any service you're in, welcome to you. Coconut Point, what's up to you guys down in the movie theater and Gateway out east I-75. Welcome uh, to all of you. Anybody watching online, we're so glad that you're here with us this weekend as well as we continue on in our holiday revolution series. And Pastor Matt kicked that off last weekend. Absolutely incredible. And we're going to continue this weekend. And I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. Uh, Christmas is a fun time of year, obviously. Um, I didn't have a ton of Christmas uh, traditions growing up. We didn't have a ton. We had a few, um, and I've tried to pass those down over the last nine years. Me and Jennifer, I will be married nine years this December, so coming up on a decade, which is crazy, uh, and we have tried to pass some of those traditions down. So over the last several years, when our first year of marriage, I remember, um, like we did stockings growing up. Anybody else location stockings? Did you get stockings with gifts? Yeah, my wife didn't do that growing up. Uh, she thought it was ridiculous to put gifts in socks before you open the real gifts, and I'm like, well, I, I don't. I think it's awesome. Uh, so so she's like, so we open up like Dollar Tree gifts out of socks before we open the real gifts? I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. Just try it. So now, now we do it every year. So we open up like the gifts from Target that's all in the junk section. And we, she, she smiles half-heartedly. And I, I'm like pumped. Like, I love it. So uh, we, we do that. I kind of bring them in to the, you know, the bedroom. We open them there. And then now we have a little girl, obviously, Kaylee. So she's into it. She's into Christmas now. She knows that she gets to unwrap all the presents. But we do the stockings. Then we move into the, you know, the real presents. I guess, and we, we open those up. And then the tradition that my family always had when I was a kid was that we'd open up all of our presents, and then 20 minutes later, my mom or dad or somebody would be like, hey, what's, what's that there in the back of the tree? And me and my brother would run, and we'd grab it, and it'd be like a card, and be a scavenger hunt to get to the, you know, the real present, like the uh, Red Rider BB gun or the ping pong table or the bike or something. So we'd go on this scavenger hunt, and we'd find it all around the house in the yard. So I, I tried to do that, you know, our first year of marriage. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm like, she loves me. She she thinks I'm awesome, so I'm going to do a scavenger hunt. So, so now we do the scavenger hunt thing where we'll open up all the presents, and then she makes like the cinnamon rolls. We're a Christmas Day cinnamon roll family. Anybody else? Yeah, it's okay. I get them once a year. That's the only time she'll make them for me. I don't know why, but it's the only time that we ever have them in the house. So she's usually making cinnamon rolls, and now I'm like, hey, what's that over there by the tree? Like, what's that in the looky there? Look at that. And she, you know, she runs over and gets it. And little known fact, like I'm a poet. Like, you probably don't know that. I'm like, I'm, I'm a poet. I love writing poetry. My friend, like our, the KJ Poe, like I can go there if I need to. And he's a little darker than I am, but, but, I'm, but I can go there. So like I write her like these, these rhymes and it's cute. It's fine. And, uh, and she goes around and she finds the last gift. So I, you know, I was actually looking this week and I'm like, little, they probably don't believe how good of a poet I am. So I did a little research and I found a little uh, 2013, 2011 actually poetry from her scavenger hunt. I'd love to read it to you. Um, it starts off, this was her first clue. It says clue number one at the bottom. I know that because it says that. Um, year number four of the scavenger hunt, you thought that I possibly forgot, but I did not. Clue number two is where we cook things until they are hot. You're welcome. That's all of it. It ends right there. Like it's, <laughs> I know you're waiting for the tension. Like that's. So she went to the, the stove because the second clue was in the stove. 
Uh, nice job, baby. You are good. Clue number three will be a little harder. Last night you looked beautiful in red. And by that, I mean Christmas Eve service isn't like the red dress. <laughs> Last night you looked beautiful in red. Go look under the place you like to sit when it's time for us to be fed. That's it. Okay. So she went to the table. She found this next one. It says, very good, hot stuff. That's right. (laughs) One more clue and you will find your surprise. Think carefully. Is it a car? Is it a plane? Probably not. (laughs) For your last clue, go look inside where we throw things when they rot. (laughs) And uh, like that year, I think like it was actually an engagement ring in the trash. Because uh, she had like misplaced her engagement ring, so I bought her a new one, and then we found the old one, and like so it was great. But so she found the engagement ring. She's so excited, and I'm like, yes, she'll be wearing red tonight. <laughs> just playing, just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm talking about like long sleep pajamas, guys. Unbelievable. So, but I love it. I love it. Here's my thing that I love. Like we open up all the gifts and I get stuff and it's great. And just like you probably on Christmas morning, you probably get some stuff uh, that you need. So you're excited about it or something that you want it, which makes you excited. But if you're anything like me, uh, months later, February, I forget all about what I got for Christmas, that it's great that I got something that I was excited about. But, but after a month, I, I don't even remember what I got on Christmas, but I can tell you what I do remember is for the last nine years, I can remember the facial expression on my wife's face every time she opened up that last gift because I truly believe that we will remember more about the things we give than we ever will about the things we receive. That when we give, there's something inside of us that comes out of us that's different than when we receive. And the world tells us that we're actually more blessed by the stuff that we get. But I think that the Bible contradicts that and says we're not blessed by the things we get. We're more blessed by the things that we give. And I don't know about you, and maybe you give your kids something on Christmas morning, and you've already opened up some gifts, but when they open it up and you see their face, something happens inside of you, or maybe you're a spouse and you get something that you weren't expecting from your spouse, and there's something that happens inside of you, spouse, that gives it to the other one. Maybe you have kids that come in town for Christmas, and they give you something that you weren't expecting, and you're excited, but truthfully, the expression on their face to see that you're excited about the gift is just as priceless as yours, that there's something about this idea of giving more than just getting. And on week two of this holiday revolution, I want to flip it on top of its head that the world says we're more blessed to get and to receive than we are to give. And I want to talk about this principle that's simply this, it's from getting to giving. From getting to giving, that what if this holiday season, we as a church, next level church, a group of people, families, marriages, parents, teenagers, kids, college students, what if we flipped it on top of its head and said, you know what, the world says we're more blessed to receive, but the Lord says we're more blessed to give. From getting to giving. See, there's words in the Bible that we love. There's words that, that we love about the Bible, that, that, that we like to say, that we like to read about, that there's the word believe that's in the Bible. We love the word believe. We love the word pray. It's in the Bible a lot. Obviously, love is in the Bible. But then there's the word give that's in the Bible, and maybe that one doesn't jump out of it at us as much as 
some of the other words do, because we love to talk about believe, that if we believe in Jesus and call him our Lord and Savior and ask forgiveness of our sins, we can have an eternal life with our Heavenly Father. If we believe that the Lord will answer our prayers, then he will. We love that, and believe is mentioned in the Bible 272 times. That The Lord felt like the word believe was important enough to make sure that we know that he wants us to believe that he can do things in our life. The word pray, we love the word pray because that's how we we conversate with our heavenly father. That's how we have a conversation with God. And that's in the Bible, 371 times. The Lord felt like that was important enough that he needed to make sure we knew that we needed to pray in this Christian life. Then obviously the word love, 714 times, that we love talking about love in our world right now. Love's talking about love, just love everybody. Love, just love everything, that love your neighbor as yourself, that love is the first fruit of the Spirit that we taught in our Ghost Stories series and the fruit of the Spirit, that love was important enough for God to mention it 714 times. But then there's the word give. And give's not a word that maybe excites us as much, gives a word that maybe as we read it in the Bible, it's actually asking something of us. So maybe we actually pull back when it talks about giving. But if the Bible talks about believe and pray and love as many times as it does, can you possibly believe that the Bible mentions give 2,162 times? That the word give is present in God's word, the inspired word of God, the living word of God. It's 2,162 times, and some of these other words that we love aren't anywhere close to the amount of times that the word give is. And again, you can, different translations say it different ways, so for those of you that are going to go check and fact check all this, like, it's okay, I'm not going to tell you which version that I got this out of, so it doesn't matter, I'm right. So, (laughs) fact check all you want, baby. 2,162 times, the Bible says give, but we live in a world that says get. We don't live in a world today that says that you're blessed to give more than you are to get. We live in a world that says the more you get, the more blessed you'll be. Give less, get more. That's how you feel blessed in this life. What I love about the Christmas season is that we always get to go back and read the Christmas story that for some of you, you remember hearing the Christmas story, maybe sitting on a grandparent's lap as a small child, maybe in a Sunday school, or maybe going to a Christmas Eve service with like the camels and the wise men and the shepherds all coming down. Maybe you went to Christmas Eve services with your family. Maybe you remember hearing about it in school or from a friend. And maybe there's some of you that this is your first ever Christmas Eve, your first ever Christmas as a follower of Jesus. Can I say this to you? That's awesome. Like this will be your best Christmas ever because you will recognize the Christmas season is about Jesus, that he was born on this day so that we could have a relationship with our heavenly father. So if you're at a location and you said yes to Jesus in 2016, we're so proud of you. Like best Christmas you'll ever have, right? Next level church, like celebrate with all those that said yes to Jesus in 2016. You're, you're going to get to experience Jesus on Christmas in a different way. But in the Bible, there's the story of Jesus and the Jews, the king of the Jews, the Jews were waiting on this king, that there was this story and this, this, these prophets and scripture that talked about a king that was coming for God's people, this king of the Jews. And we pick up the story in Matthew chapter two, verses one through two. And it says this after Jesus was born. So, you know, Christmas day or post Christmas day in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during Herod's kingship. So Herod was the king, King Herod, was the king at the time, a band of scholars that we know uh, through Bible study as the wise men in the, the nativity scene, like the wise men. They arrived in Jerusalem 
from the east, it goes on. They ask around, where can we find and pay homage to, or homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that there was this, these, these prophets in scripture spoke about this star that would appear and it would, it would take people to where the, the king of the Jews would be, this Messiah, this savior of the world. And we observed the star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. So the wise men are telling King Herod this. They've come and they've started to tell King Herod and King Herod um, gets all insecure and gets all fearful that now there's this king of the Jews, this Messiah, the Savior. And the truth is, when you study the Bible, King Herod was, was a pretty successful king. I mean, he built cities. He, he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Like he did some awesome things. He was a, a pretty you know, profitable king. He did some really good things for the nation. But he got insecure because now there's this king, this savior of the world. So King Herod tells these wise men, hey, well, go find him. Go search for him. Do whatever you need to do to find him and make sure to report back to me when you find him because I want to come and I want to worship him as well. But the truth is King Herod didn't really want to worship him. He wanted to find out where he was so that he could find out a little more about what was going on and make sure that his kingship wasn't at risk. And it goes on in verse 9 and it says, instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared, again, the same star they had seen in the eastern skies. Verse 10, it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. Can I ask you a question, Next Level Church, whatever service you're in? When was the last time that you were in the presence of the king and you could hardly contain yourself? If you go back to before you said yes to a relationship with Christ, if you go back to that season of life where you were at your worst, when you were struggling, when you were hurting, when you were in pain, when you were living a life of sin, but then you said yes to Jesus and your entire life changed. If you can remember that moment, from that moment, when's the last time that you could hardly contain yourself? When you were in the presence of God. They were in the right place. They'd arrived at the right time, verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, overcome. Are you overcome when you think about your relationship with Jesus? I remember being overcome when he changed my life and the crazy thing about this world is that because of the busyness and because of the things we deal with and because of the jobs and the careers and the kids and the marriage problems and the relational problems and the financial problems that all of a sudden we can come into a place like we are this weekend in whatever service or location you're at and we're actually in the presence of the king. This isn't rows. These aren't seats. These aren't just worship songs and lights. We're actually in the, in the temple. We're in the house of God. We're in the local church. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is amongst us. Have you been overcome by being in the presence of Jesus lately? They were so overcome that they kneeled and worshipped him. The first reaction when they saw him wasn't to have a conversation, wasn't to question him, wasn't to ask if they could hold him, wasn't ask if they needed to do this or if this was right or what was wrong or why is he in the manger. They were so overcome that they just kneeled and worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, we see the three gifts that the wise man gave, and we think, oh, he gave him a bottle of cool water and a plug-in with a scent from Bath and Body Works. That's great. That's awesome. Good job, fellas. Way to go. Way to get into your luggage. 
and give him, you know, give him some of your like cool water, cool water, polo, green bottle polo, whatever it is that you wear. So if you're 45 and older, green bottle polo for sure. My dad wears it. My wife's dad wears it. Gold thing. Keep wearing it. Like I can smell it from a mile away. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Doesn't matter. Listen, I have so many memories of like green bottle polo. Like my dad would come walking by and I'm like, good night, green bottle polo. (laughs) That these wise men gave these gifts and we look on and go, wow, he gave him some cologne. He gave him a plug in. Great. Good job. These were crazy gifts. These were gifts that, that cost them something. These were the best of the best. These weren't random gifts. These weren't small gifts. These weren't just something like a housewarming gift. Like, oh, here you go. Great. Congratulations. This was very, very important to them. These gifts were something that they treasured. These gifts were something that when they were given, people went, wow. And the first thing these wise men did was fall on their knees, worship Jesus, and then offer him gifts. Look what John chapter 3, verse 16 says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Look what it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 11. We are saved because the Master Jesus, amazingly and out of sheer what? Generosity, moved to save us. That first Christmas day, God sent his Son out of sheer generosity. And then Jesus died on a cross so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father so that if we would ask for forgiveness of our sins, He would wash it all away with the gift of grace. And no matter what we do moving forward, as long as our arrow is pointed in a direction that we're trying to live our life more like Christ, that even when we mess up, the gift of grace covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. And out of sheer generosity, God sent His Son to earth so that we could have a relationship with Him. What a picture of the Christmas season that God was generous to us and we should be generous to each other as well. But I think we live in a world today that says that generosity is giving something that makes you feel good. But true generosity is giving to the points that it actually costs you something. That the world says be generous, give something, feel good about it. But God says true generosity is giving to the point that it actually costs you something In your life, God gave his son. It cost him his only son. Jesus gave his life. It cost him his life so that he could be generous to all of us. Generosity is not measured by how much we give, but how much it actually costs us. So I think we have to ask a question this weekend, and I think that question is simply this when it goes to giving instead of getting. And the question says this, do you believe that you are more blessed when you give rather than when you receive? At the heart of hearts, at the core of who you are, at a soul level, do you truly believe that you are more blessed when you give rather than when you receive? Look how Acts chapter 20 says it. Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. So this weekend, I'd love for you to open your bulletin. There's a slip of paper in there. I'd love for you to fill out some blanks. I'm going to give you a three-part and three-part message this weekend. I'm going to talk about some gifts that we need to give back this holiday season, and then I'm going to talk about three reasons why it's more blessed to give than it actually is to receive. So three gifts this holiday season that God asked us to give back as well. The first one is simply this. It's time. It's time. The Lord asked us to give some things back as well, and the first thing is time. Look at Galatians chapter 6, 
verse 6, it says, Be very sure now, you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a, there's our word, generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. The Lord looks on and says, hey, you've got to give your time back to people that are around you. You've got to give your time back and serve other people. That when we look on this holiday season, a question for you and your family might be, have you looked on and talked about anywhere that you can actually serve and give of your time? That God says, listen, God's done good things in your life. He's done good things in your heart. He's done good things in your family. But that's not to hoard it all to yourself. It's actually to be given back this holiday season. When I think about serving this holiday season, I simply think about our Christmas Eve services. And our Christmas Eve services at the Barber B. Man, we're doing five services at the Barber B. Man. Years ago, we did 13 services here at the Fort Myers location for Christmas Eve. And it was awesome. And then we got in the room and said, we'll never do that again. Like, it was crazy. 13 services. It was incredible. So we said, what do we do? And we said, you know what? Let's go to the Barber B. Man and listen, Next Level Church. Is Christmas Eve at the Barber B. Man for you? Absolutely. It's for you and your family. It's to come and take pictures. It's to get hot chocolate and donuts and cookies. It's to sit in a great seat and dress up. It's to take a picture by the Christmas tree or with me. Like whatever you, like that's what it, it, it's for. It's for you to come and listen to worship songs, special music, hear the message of Christmas. It's for you. But we decided to go to the Barber B. Man because we want to be a generous church. And our Christmas Eve services aren't just for us. They're for the community of Southwest Florida. Because there are so many people that don't have a church home on Christmas Eve. There's so many people that are hurting and broken and won't go to church the rest of the year, but will go to church on Christmas Eve. So we said, you know what? What if we rent the Barber B. Man and then offer free Christmas Eve services? Free. Any other service at Barber B. Man is $75 to $150, depending on your seat for a play there. And we offer it for free on Christmas Eve. And our staff starts loading stuff in on the 21st. We practice on the 22nd. We do services on the 23rd. We do services on the 24th. And we pack it up and we go home. And it's absolutely exhausting. But I can promise you this. We are way more blessed because we give on Christmas Eve than we are when we receive. And I would challenge you this Christmas Eve in Next Level Church, where are you serving this holiday season? How do you have a holiday revolution? Some of you, maybe it's the soup kitchen. For some of you, maybe it's, it's getting gifts for families that you know that are in need. But as a church corporately, we need you. We need you on Christmas Eve. We don't just need you here on the weekends at our church. We need you to serve at your location. But we need you on Christmas Eve. This is a great place to jump in to the, the wide net of serving, hold a door, help make hot chocolate, help pass a bucket, help in kids' ministry, help in the parking lot, whatever you could possibly do, I encourage you, serve one and attend one. Because the world says, just come and enjoy your Christmas Eve service and turn around and leave, and it's all about you. But a holiday revolution is when we serve others for his glory. And I would challenge you this Christmas season, come on, where are you serving? Go to this website, nextlevelchurch.com, volunteer, and fill out something so that you can serve on Christmas Eve, because we're believing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of salvations on December 3rd and December 24th, because we gave of our time. It goes on, number two, gifts that we need to give back this Christmas season. Number two is our talents. Number two is our talents. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. It says, be generous, there's our word again, with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help that 
God says, hey, whatever you're talented at, if it's, if it's talking and encouragement, do that. If it's serving, do that. If it's a very specific talent, do that. But don't hoard it all to yourself. Take your gifts and talents and use them for other people. That's a gift we can give back this holiday season. I can't help but think about our Dream Center. And we talk about our Dream Center, 46,000 square feet on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And listen, that's a place where Next Level Church in our city is going to get to use their gifts and their talents, gifts and talents that you can't even use on a weekend service at Next Level. Gifts if you're great at art or if you're an incredible financial planner where we have financial planning classes, art classes, music classes, tutoring, mentoring, small group leaders on Wednesday nights, health classes, boot camp classes, whatever it is that you're talented at and you're like, I can't use my boot camp skills on the weekend, please don't do a boot camp out front during service. It would be awkward and we'd probably tell you no. But you can use them at the Dream Center. Like, come, use your gifts and your talents to serve other people. And here's what I love about the Dream Center. It's not the next level Dream Center. It's the Fort Myers Dream Center. Because we don't want any of the credit. We want you to come and serve and use your gifts and talents and the only person that's going to get the credit is him. When darkness is driven out of that community, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. So go to the website, fill it out, show where your gifts and talents are, pick a place to serve down there. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Number three, gifts we can give back this holiday season are our treasures. That we can give back our time, we can give back our talents, and we can give back our treasures. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't store up treasures in your garage, in your storage unit in your closets where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and still verse 20 store your treasures up where in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy them and thieves do not break in and still wherever your treasure is i love this there the desires of your heart will be also it goes on actually it doesn't that's the last verse wherever your heart is, your treasure will be also. That we get a gift on Christmas and we use it for three or four weeks and then it ends up in a place that eventually it just fades or the new version comes out or the new style comes out or the new brand comes out. And ultimately, moths and rust just destroy it. And it made us happy for a moment, but it had no eternal impact or significance. That when we store up treasures in heaven... There's an eternal impact. Here's the difference. We can buy something for ourselves on Christmas Day, and again, do that. I'm not saying don't have a good time with your family, but we can spend tons of money on Christmas for things that'll make us happy for two weeks, but every time you drive by the Dream Center on, 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 on your way downtown to Fort Myers or on your way to work or on your way somewhere, every time you drive by that, you will, your heart will move in that direction because there's an eternal impact that that place is going to have. For generations, lives are going to be changed, and you get the opportunity to have a part And that next weekend is our generosity challenge on December 10th and 11th. I Go pray over that envelope. Go opt into Kingdom Builders online. Me and my wife are going to give the biggest gift we've ever given in our entire life to that Dream Center because every time I drive by it, I want to be reminded that my finances went to something that's having an eternal impact, not that it's stuck in a drawer or stuck in a closet or tucked away in the garage 12 months later. 
That's the type of eternal impact that we want to have, and I want all of you to have as well. So this holiday season, if we want to have a holiday revolution, you can give back of your time, you can give back of your talents, you can give back of your treasures, but then there's some reasons why it's more blessed to give than receive. So three reasons, real quick, why it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Number one, giving obeys God's commands. Why are you more blessed to give than actually to receive? It's because God actually commands that we give back to him. Look at Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. A lot of times we just talk about verse 10, but look at verses 8 and 9. They're so interesting. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. If you're butting your head up against something in your life, your finances, and your career with your kids, in your marriage, in relationships in general, one of the first questions I would ask you is, are you giving back to God first? Because God wants to bless your life more than you could ever imagine. But he says that you're, you're robbing me of my tithes and offerings, and your nation, your household, is under a curse because of that. The, the Lord says, verse 10, bring the whole tithe, 10%, into the storehouse, the local church, that you're being fed, that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. There are very few places in Scripture where God himself tells his people to test him. This is one of those places. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. We think that if we keep 10% of our finances and buy more stuff, we'll be blessed. But the Lord says that if we put him first with our finances and give the first fruits back to him, the first 10%, then there will be so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. A complete holiday revolution that the world says, keep your finances, get you more stuff, you will be more blessed. The Lord says, Put me first, give me 10%, and I will pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even know what to do with it. Complete holiday revolution. And this is the part in any service that you speak about this that majority of us sit back in our seat and, and we push back and we, we start to tune out. And can I just challenge us this weekend, Next Level Church, in a different way of thinking if I were to sit with you and we were to look at your finances, would we not all agree that 100% of our finances every single month goes somewhere? We can all agree on that this weekend, right? So regardless if you believe in the tithe and giving to the local church, we can agree that 100% of our finances every month, uh, an amount comes in, $2,500 comes in, and at the end of that month, $2,500 goes somewhere. Even if you save 20% of it, it goes to a savings account, it goes to a Roth IRA, it goes to a 401k, and then the rest of it is dispersed in different things in our life. And here's the question I have for us this weekend is, why do we not have a problem giving 10% to our CrossFit box and our Shakeology? Why do we not have a problem giving 10% to Banana Republic, Express, Nordstrom Rack, or other clothing places? Why do we not have a problem giving 10% to our kids' education to the school they go to? Why do we not have a problem giving 10% to local restaurants and bar tabs? But to give 10% to my Savior and to the local church, God's hope of the world? I don't know about that. That if we're being honest this weekend, our, take percentages of where your money goes in 8% and 9% and 14%. We have no problem giving 18% to our car payment 
that five years from now we'll be out of style and out of date and we'll have to do it again. That we'll invest in our physical bodies because there's a return. We'll invest in our emotional bodies because there's a return with counseling or marriage counseling that we pay for. We'll invest in our educational mind with school or a master's program or an online class or a book that we buy or an audio class that we listen to because there's a return. But the last time I checked, none of that stuff goes with us in eternity. We'll invest in our physical bodies, our emotional bodies, our educational minds, but to invest into our spiritual soul, the only thing that leaves this earth when we pass away is our soul and to invest into a place where our heart would actually follow it. That's why we never miss a CrossFit class because we pay that gym. That's why we never miss a sale at that store because we love their brand. Because our heart follows our finances. And I just promise you, when the Lord says when you give 10% to the local church and back to him that he will pour out so much blessing on your life, it's because when you actually give, you'll make it a priority to be here. Because your heart will follow where your finances are. And if you're here, I, I just can't imagine that if you are here and fully invested that your marriage is not better, your life is not better, your kids are not better, your parenting's not better, there's not more joy, there's not more peace, your relationship with Christ is not deeper than it's ever been before, but, but you have to allow your finances to go in that direction. So on your seats and in your bulletins this weekend, whatever location you're at, there's the 90-day tithe challenge card. I would encourage you, try that. Give it a shot this holiday revolution season. Try the 90-day tithe challenge. Go online, jump in, give it a shot. Here's what we do at Next Level Church. Try it for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, if you don't feel like your marriage is better, that your kids are more involved in what's going on, that you have more peace and joy in your life, that the Lord's not lining up opportunities for you that maybe weren't there beforehand, just just contact us. Come sit down with us. 100% money back guarantee if you do the 90-day tithe challenge and you don't see the Lord show up in your life in big ways. With no guilt or shame, we'll hug you and high-five you and tell you thanks for trying it. We just truly believe that if you'll do that, we won't have to have that many conversations. That 100% of our finances go somewhere. Can I ask you a question this weekend? Are you investing at all into your spiritual being, which is what we'll spend an eternity in heaven? Store up treasures in heaven the Lord says, we're moth and rust. Don't decay. The second thing that we need to know about uh, but giving and instead of getting this season is that giving trusts God's provision. Giving trusts God's provision. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote verse 6. God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Next level church, listen. Either we trust that the Lord can provide everything we need in our life or we don't. You can't halfway believe that the Lord can provide everything that you need in this life and half not. Either you're in or you're out. And I can promise you that the Lord will provide you with everything that you need. He will show up and show out in your life if you'll put him first and you'll trust and believe by giving that the Lord will provide you everything that you need in your life. The third thing we need to know this holiday season about giving instead of just getting is that giving advances God's kingdom. Giving advances God's kingdom and not just our personal kingdoms. That we live in a world today that says, no, 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 keep everything for yourself. Hoard your talents, hoard your time, hoard your gifts, 
hoard your treasures, hoard your 10%, climb the ladder, get the stuff that you want, go to the places you want to go, build your kingdom. But God says that the holiday revolution is, is that when we give, it actually advances his kingdom. Look at this interesting set of verses in the book of Matthew. It's about this rich young ruler, and Jesus was telling a parable about this rich young ruler, this rich young businessman that came to him and wanted to know about making sure he was going to get into the kingdom of God. And it says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He goes on, Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Teenagers, honor your father and mother. Come on, parents, can I get a good amen? Amen. Teenagers, if you want to go to heaven, be nice to mom and dad. Accept Jesus and then be nice to mom and dad. Don't do the other things. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Here's what I love about this story. This rich young ruler was doing all those things. He was doing pretty good. But yet he knew in his heart of hearts that something was still missing. Some of you this weekend are here and you're doing good. You're coming to church. Your kids are in kids ministry. You're serving. You're reading your Bible three, four, five times a week. You're listening to good worship music. You've joined a group. You're doing good. But something in your heart still feels like you haven't fully crossed a line for Jesus. Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, I love this, he went away sad because he had great wealth, that we live in a world today that says if we have to actually give up of things that we like, then we can't be happy. That he had a choice to make. He had to go make a choice to just keep doing everything for himself, keep doing everything to build his kingdom, or you know what? Go sell your possessions, go sell your land, go sell your stuff, and then give to the poor, and then you can truly follow me. And he walked away sad. Next Level Church, I hope that you never walk away sad from being generous to the Lord. The Bible says, give what you've decided in your heart and be a joyful giver. That we should never have to give out of condemnation. We should never have to give out of guilt. We should never have to give out of somebody making you feel like you have to. You should decide in your heart. That's why we never do some type of special offering out of nowhere. We give you three, four, five weeks to pray over an envelope, to have a conversation with your family, to pray to God and let him speak to your heart because he will give you, he will give you a number. And then you get to give that joyfully because you know that when you give and it actually costs you something that the Lord's going to bless your life because that is true generosity. When we give, not just to feel good, but when we give and it actually costs us something, it says sell possession. Some of you here this weekend, the Lord's going to speak to you and you over the next two weeks need to go sell a boat. You need to go sell something that you have that you never use and it's just building and growing moth and it's moths and rust and it's just in a storage unit and you never use it. And you need to give that to the Dream Center because now every time you drive by the Dream Center, your heart's going to go in that direction and you're going to know that you had an eternal impact for people's lives for generations. Some of you need to have a garage sale and give the finances towards that. Listen, do it. The world says keep it all for yourself, but God says you are more blessed to give than you ever will be to receive. And I can promise you that that's true. My grandma passed away just two days ago, the one I was super close with in Alabama. Thanksgiving, Christmas is every year. 
I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going to go do her funeral. And, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, she lived such a simple life, but she gave everything to everybody. And all I can do is picture her sitting with the king right now with all these treasures stored up in heaven. Because everything she owned on earth will be sitting in her house. And when I walk her house on Monday afternoon and I see the memories and I think about Thanksgivings and Christmases, it'll be sad, but I'm glad my grandmom didn't have a lot because it, it, didn't, it didn't go with her. But she's got treasure stored up in heaven because she was one of the most generous people I've ever met. Can I ask you a question this holiday season, Next Level Church? Do you truly believe that you're more blessed to give than to receive? Let's show up and show out over these next three weeks for Christmas Eve, for our Kingdom Builders offering, the 90-day tithe challenge, the Dream Center, and let's see if the Lord doesn't do something special in your heart. Jesus, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the opportunity to hear about your word tonight. God, I pray for people right now, Lord, that, that they're thinking about something that's going to cost them and it scares them. Good. Good. That's knowing that they're towing the line of true generosity, that they might give something that'll cost them something. But God, you're going to show up and show out in their life and bless them beyond whatever they thought was even possible or imaginable, God. For those that are on the fence of the 90-day tithe challenge, God, I ask right now, just by the, the softness of your Holy Spirit, speak to them and say, try this and see what I'll do in your life. God, thank you for the opportunity you've given our church, Lord. May we steward it well. May we go and reach those that are far from you. We love you and thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.